Welcome to the Holistic Business Podcast, where healers, makers, mystics, and other weirdos who don't quite fit the mold learn how to grow businesses that sustain them and their communities without working all the damn time or feeling like they're selling out. I'm your host, Sarah M. Chapel, and as the founder of the Holistic Business Academy, I've helped thousands of small business owners just like you to grow supportive, holistic businesses. Now, it's your turn. Ah, sales funnels. You can't click a link about business on the internet without being told you need one. But despite how the concept has taken over online business, it's not new. Sales funnels are an extension of an advertising strategy that has been around for well over 100 years. The sales funnel concept started out as a way to map a theoretical customer journey from learning about a product or business to actually buying the thing. The desire was to be able to optimize and measure the journey so specific areas could be improved to increase conversion rates. The basic concept of a sales funnel is the same as it was when advertising advocate Elias St. Elmo Lewis, what a fucking name, y'all, am I right? Developed what is now called the AIDA, or I'm going to say IDA model, but honestly, I have no idea how you pronounce it, in the late 1800s. IDA stands for Awareness, Interest, Desire, and Action. Okay, so awareness is the customer is aware of the existence of a product or service. Interest, they are actively expressing an interest in a product group or a brand. Desire, they are aspiring to a particular brand or product. And action, taking the next step towards purchasing the chosen product. So of course, this model suggests a linear experience, which is not at all replicable in real world situations, but it is a tool to understand how people make buying decisions. When I started developing our own sales funnel methods, I didn't even know about this model, but the approach that I developed and teach inside our programs does have similarities. And the IDA model, even though it has fallen out of use in favor of models with more nuance and complexity, is still a decent foundational representation of an idealized customer journey. I mention this now because it behooves small business trainers like myself to talk about how complex sales funnels and customer journeys are so you're more likely to feel like you need to hire someone or buy a program to learn how to do it effectively. The reality is you probably will. Inside our Launch Incubator and Membership Accelerator programs, I do teach sales funnels, and there is a huge need for more in-depth training and coaching, even for established business owners with popular products. But it's not because the concept of a sales funnel is complicated, and that's what I want to dispel by talking about Ida. The process is simple, and you likely already get it based on what I just said. People need to know that they want a thing, And then they need to know that they want your thing and then they buy it, right? That is a sales funnel. Where it does get challenging is that communicating what customers need to understand in order to know what they want and that what they want is your thing, that is actually hard. That's a skill. And when coupled with the advanced technical automation that like an online sales funnel needs in order to work seamlessly and be measurable, this creates the need for an advanced training that can't possibly be covered in a podcast. Sorry, y'all. Uh, because it is custom to your product and your audience and must be tested and refined over time. My goal in this episode, however, is for you to learn the components of a successful sales funnel so you can at least start exploring it yourself. You may need help at some point and you may not, but we can at least clarify the journey so you can take full advantage of this strategy without needing to hire an expert or find the time to complete a program right now. And if you do need help, well, we'll be here. You know where to find us. So in the Holistic Business Academy framework, which is the core training inside our membership program, 
I divide the customer journey into two segments, a little bit more simple than the whole Ida thing. Attract, which is marketing, or convert, which is sales. Attract is how people know your thing exists. That's what marketing is for. It's about creating awareness of your business, your product, and ensuring that your ideal customers know that you have what they're looking for. A sales funnel is actually the transitional point from awareness and into interest in your thing. This is the phase where a customer becomes a lead. This is just industry parlance for someone who is interested in what you're selling. And I feel like I should note that in industries that use cold calling and cold emailing, a lead is actually usually defined as someone that the salesperson or more often a sales manager thinks will be interested. This is usually called an outbound lead because the salesperson is selecting them based on criteria that increase the likelihood that they will want to buy the thing, and then they're reaching out to them. When you watch Glenn Gary Glenn Ross and Jack Lemon is complaining about the leads being weak, those are not people who have said, I want your thing, Alec Baldwin, add me to your list, okay? Those are lists of cold leads for the salesman to reach out to. This is not dissimilar to interest target ads like on Facebook or Instagram. You're saying people like this are interested in my stuff. And then Facebook is doing the cold outreach by putting your ad in front of those people. However, I still would not call ad recipients a lead until they interact with the company through your sales funnel. So for example, someone can follow you on Instagram or TikTok showing you that they are aware of you, but they aren't really a lead until they demonstrate an active interest in your offers. Sales funnels help us to delineate between that outer circle of browsers and curious folks and the people who are getting ready to make a buying decision. The sales funnel starts the convert or in the item model interest phase when someone metaphorically raises their hand and says that they want to learn more about your product. For an online business or someone using the internet to promote their business, this hand raising usually occurs when you secure the potential customer, now leads, email address. Email addresses are internet gold, y'all, because they give you direct access to your customer that is not dependent on a third-party platform. Like, what a fucking gift. And to reiterate, sales funnels are largely linear. Sales is not. Some people will buy without ever being on your mailing list. But let's go with linear convention for today for the sake of clarity. Once you have their email address, then the sky's the limit. You can contact leads directly with offers, with valuable information that helps them to understand if they want your thing, that's desire in the item model, and all sorts of fun in between. So what are the components of an effective sales funnel? An effective sales funnel is really a conversation. You say hi, they say hi, you share more, they decide if they want to work with you. There's a back and forth between your company and your potential customer that loosely follows a three-step system, capture, nurture, and convert. While these principles apply to a wide variety of business types, my examples here will primarily focus on the kinds of businesses we work with, which are small personality-driven online businesses using software to automate the sales funnel through emails, webinars, and other tools. So first up, we have capture. A sales funnel must first capture the lead's information. Online, again, this is commonly an email address, though cell phone numbers for text funnels are also used as well. Pre-internet, it was all phones and physical addresses. You can still get those too. The point is there has to be some way to communicate with the lead. You can always ask people for their information, but why should they give it to you? It's valuable. And the easiest way to get that valuable info is to share something valuable yourself. This is the exchange theory behind the internet's favorite lead capture strategy, a bribe. A nice bribe though, a good bribe, a kind and valuable bribe. (laughs) 
In physical product businesses, we often see a discount code or free shipping code offered. For services or education businesses, this is often some educational resource like a PDF or a workbook or a recording that helps your lead to learn something that will overcome an objection or better prepare them for your offer. This bribe, okay, we can call it a freebie, and that is the common industry term, is the top of your sales funnel, the widest part of the funnel where you will get the most interaction. The kind of freebie you make will vary on your business. My only current freebie is a webinar that actually condenses the entire sales funnel process into one asset and some follow-up emails that can take a person from lead to customer in as little as 90 minutes. It's nice, right? That's why I teach webinars. They're amazing. (laughs) After you captured the lead, it's time to nurture the lead. Nurturing is the process of building trust, reducing risk, demonstrating expertise, and clearly showing that you understand the problem your customer has and the outcome they desire and addressing potential objections so your lead has all of the information and perspective they need to make a buying decision. This nurture process is part of the sales process. It is a sales funnel after all, and its content should be tied directly to the offer you're going to make in the convert step. Depending on your funnel, this can be a series of emails, videos, um, you can refer people to podcast episodes, or even a webinar or training like I mentioned just a minute ago. The nurture portion of a funnel is valuable for a lead because it will show different perspectives, values, beliefs, and outcomes related to the thing you're selling, which is also related to the thing that they are trying to solve. So even if the lead doesn't buy or doesn't buy right now, they have learned more about their problem and the solution that you provide. I use webinars a lot because I can do all of this and the next step convert in one fell swoop, but this can be done over a couple of emails or even a longer sequence. When customers do not buy from our funnel, we actually add them to what is called an ENS or evergreen nurture sequence that runs for four months and continues the work of nurturing the lead while also giving them opportunities to re-enter the sales portion of the funnel. So finally, we move to the convert phase. This is where we actually sell something. Having set the stage for your lead by building trust, reducing risk, demonstrating the problem your customer has and the outcome they desire, and addressing potential objections in advance, it's time to offer your solution, your product or service. How fast this goes will again depend on your audience and your offer. A clothing company will often go to the pitch immediately. Here's your discount. We love the same things you do, whether that's green manufacturing or locally made or whatever. Click here to shop. For some services or courses or coaching programs, this process may take a few days. And again, if people don't buy, we can keep nurturing them. The conversion phase is, of course, critical because this is where you get paid and where your lead actually acquires the product, training, information, or service they desire. It's a win-win. For my company, if we're doing a webinar, this also happens in the webinar itself in the last 10 or so minutes and then is followed up by four days of conversion emails to give people even more opportunities to learn more and make a decision. During the convert step, if you have done your nurture job correctly, your leads are ready to make a decision. Your job now is to build on the expertise that you have demonstrated and the trust that you have gained by clearly tying the desired outcome of your lead to the offer that you have. Your convert phase must address all of the following needs. All right, there are six, so bear with me. First one is challenge to desire. You must witness your customer where they are, which is the challenge they're in presently, and show them that you understand what they want, which is what they desire. People skip over this step all the fucking time. I cannot tell you how critical it is to effective conversions. 
If your lead doesn't think that you understand them, their problems and where they're trying to go, they're not going to buy from you. They're not going to trust you and they're not going to believe that you can help them. Our second need is the outcome slash transformation. We can use them kind of interchangeably here. Here we demonstrate how their desire is filled or becomes more possible through the transformation of your offer. The thing that your, your product, your service, your course, your program makes possible has to help them achieve their desired outcome. Number three is demonstrating value, right? This is how you're going to help people understand why it costs what it costs, why the price is actually a great value. There's a lot we can go into with pricing strategy and methods, and we have actually done an episode on how to price your offers, and we'll probably talk about it again at some point. But your job here is to help people understand the context of your offer so they see why your price is the right price. That's your job. Step four are features and benefits. How does your offer get this lead, that transformation? You have to tie each offer feature, so each of the things in your feature, to a specific transformational benefit. This is where people go off the rails all the time, talking about how many pages are in the PDF download. No one fucking cares, okay? They care about what the PDF makes possible for them. What is the benefit of it, right? The benefit of a PDF is that it's downloadable and you can read it at any time, even if you don't have cell service, right? No internet connection required. Perfect for when you're on an airplane, right? Or late at night when your kids are sleeping and you don't want noise from a video. Ooh, PDF. There you go, right? Sounds, sounds good all of a sudden. We want to make sure that the features actually have a reason. If there's no reason for them, if you can't tie them to a benefit that leads to the outcome they desire, you probably shouldn't have it in your offer anyway. Number five is inspiration. All right. We have to affirm that the transformation is possible. This is things like personal stories, case studies, testimonials, reviews, things that let people know, let your leads know that that outcome that they desire, that it could work for them too right? You see this all the time, even with physical products, right? Did this work? Did it, did the, was the color true when it showed up? Was it as it was described, right? Did it fit properly with clothing reviews? That's a huge thing, right? Was it, was the fit good? Is it too big, too small? Um, it's true for products that are not, um, so tangible, right? Have people worked with you and gotten results? Have they gotten results and liked working with you enough that they'll actually let you use their case study? We have to help people understand and build trust through inspiration. And finally, we have number six, which is risk mitigation. Risk mitigation is also about boosting affinity and trust by helping people know that it is not a big risk in order to invest with you. This also includes case studies. Case studies are a twofer. They both inspire and mitigate risks. Things like refund policies. This is also where I love to do behind the scenes tours of my products, right? If you have been through my sales funnel, you've been invited to watch a video that shows you everything that you get when you join my membership. That way, you know, it's real, right? You're a lot less afraid to buy it. If you've seen that it is a real thing that exists. So do some of these sound familiar? And the answer is, of course they do, right? You started a lot of these in the nurture phase, but now you're doing this while directly communicating about your offer. This is why we use multiple emails in a promotion cycle in a sales funnel. It's a lot to cover in one email. Each of those six could be their own email. They don't have to be, but they easily could. But this is where the magic happens. You're providing all of the information and context that a lead needs to make a buying decision. And you're doing so from a variety of perspectives. Some people love testimonials. 
Other want the brass tacks of what this includes and why they should care. Others just want to know that you understand them. If you're doing sales calls, for example, you would be able to tailor this information overload to the individual, right? You would make sure that you were listening to what they were saying and what their questions and their objections were, and you would provide the information specifically to them. But if you're running an automated online sales funnel, you're trying to cover all of your bases for the different kinds of buyers you'll encounter to ensure that different needs are met. It's a little bit of a spray and pray, (laughs) but it does help people get more information and be able to make an informed buying decision. At this point, you'll be telling people how to buy, send them to checkout, register, give me money, right? (laughs) If they buy, amazing, your sales funnel has converted and you are a most brilliant business owner, congratulations. If they don't, no worries. You can create a longer nurture sequence and make another offer in the future. So how do you know if your sales funnel is actually working? Well, first of all, if you're making sales. It sounds simple, but I often see folks set up funnels that don't lead to a product, but just add people to the mailing list. That's okay, but it's not really a sales funnel until we're selling. And it's much harder to assess whether or not your conversion messaging is effective because you're not actually trying, you're not testing it out. This is why I love trying to get a sale as quickly as possible. Depending on how people enter our funnels, again, that can be 90 minutes, um, or in some cases we make an offer in a week or so. But this lets me know that if the leads we're capturing are actually a good fit, because if they are a good fit, they'll be buying. Um, And also if I'm effectively communicating our offer. Sales funnels convert, that is turn a lead into a customer at widely different rates, but there are some guidelines. Your lead capture, right up in the capture, our first step should convert at over 30%. That means 30% of the people who view it give you their email address or whatever you're capturing if you're running paid ads, and ideally well over 50% if the traffic is organic. Organic versus paid or cold traffic is a whole conversation onto itself, but suffice it to say that people who find you organically often know you and your work a bit better before entering the funnel and are likely to convert at higher rates than someone seeing an ad from you for the first time. Once that lead is in the funnel, then the conversion from leads to sales can vary um, between 1% to 20% or more. The standard for an online business, especially like an info product business, floats around 1% to 3%, which kind of sucks, to be honest. (laughs) Our offers convert between about 5% to 20%, depending on the price point, the type of funnel, and if we're running ads or just pitching to our existing audience. I'm going to be upfront, 20% is not normal, and I don't hit that every time. I definitely have a variety depending on what we're doing. Um, I've also, you know, to be clear, had funnels that bomb. (laughs) It's always a process of testing, which is why measuring the conversion rates is so critical to actually give you a way to assess the efficacy of the funnel and then adjust. So now that we've covered the structure and function of a funnel, let's talk about the, uh, let's say the ugly side of sales funnels. Even though every single sales process can be considered a funnel, Online funnels have gotten a reputation for being kind of sleazy. There are a lot of folks, I think to some extent, rightly up in arms about quote, unethical marketing, even though I think that marketing ethics is a little subjective. Um, But most of that is tied to strategies that softwares make very easy to use in your funnel. So before we go further, I do have to be honest, different people have different takes on this topic and uh, different sales and marketing tolerance levels. And I think that's fine. 
sales strategies that bother some people, others couldn't care about, you know, and vice versa. There isn't some handbook on what makes a funnel sleazy or not, or some like checklist on like, are you ethical? Like, I really don't like these kind of litmus tests that are popping up in sales and marketing and that you're only on one side or the other. I think it's largely a personal, a matter of personal opinion. So the best guideline here is to notice what you personally believe, right? What feels true to you and also notice where your beliefs may be impacted by a fear of selling at all. This isn't always the case, but a lot of the concerns that my clients bring to me about funnels are rooted in a fear of annoying or bothering people that simply isn't warranted when we use a consensual lead capture system like I described above, rather than it being really about any specific strategy. But the biggest strategy that gets people's ire is fake urgency or scarcity. In an online sales funnel, this often looks like a deadline that isn't real, like a registration sign-up date that isn't real, or a limit on the number of products available that isn't accurate. Usually we see this in place with an evergreen sales funnel, which is simply an active funnel that is always running um, rather than one that is tied to a live promotion period. There are times when urgency is real, right? So for example, if you're actually running out of something or you have a limited number of clients you can take for an offer or you have a start date for a program, your own boundaries can create genuine urgency as well, such as limiting the amount of time you're available for a promotion period, right? I do four day promotion periods with about a week of pre-promo and that's it. Cause that's what I am energetically available for. That is my boundary. At the end of our live launches, I'm no longer available to answer questions. Like not in a mean way, just like I show up fully for basically that four day period and like the seven to 10 days prior. So maybe two weeks total, y'all get all of me. I'm totally available. And then I'm done, right? Usually in a few weeks, we'll have our evergreen funnel up and people can join our program again after we've onboarded everyone. That's the other reason we have an end date because when we take in a bunch, like, you know, dozens or hundreds of people at once, we want to make sure we get everyone situated. But, you know, if you go through our evergreen funnel, you're not going to have access to me during the sales process, right? Folks do, of course, have support as they make their decision from our amazing team. But my boundary is uh, that's it. <laughs> like I'm done. <laughs> I'm taking a break. <laughs> so the fake and urgency and scarcity stuff is kind of rough though. And I think ultimately, regardless of how you personally feel about it, it erodes trust with your customers. So I want to tell you guys a story. I've used some urgency strategies in the past. And the biggest one was a webinar software that with even with a recording made people sign up at a specific time to watch the webinar. My hope was that it would create a commitment so folks would actually watch it, right? increasing the value they received. And of course, the chance that they would actually convert. I know if people watch my webinar, they're much more likely to buy my product, right? Because I have helped them and given them a bunch of tips and also explained our offer. So while the webinar was available at any time, they had reserved a spot on their calendar. They had made a date for it. However, my audience wasn't very familiar with this method. And even though our registration page did not say the webinar was live and there were like three times you could choose from on the same day, there was no way it was live. People thought it was. It created a lot of confusion, which I'm sure made people trust us less. Confusion is always a trust reducer. We want to kind of really try to smooth over any dissonance points in the customer journey. Um, it also meant that our customer support team spent a lot of time in the inbox answering people's questions about it and explaining that it was a recording. <laughs> Ultimately, we stopped using that software. It wasn't worth it. Any positive benefit gained by people watching the training because of that time um, sign up was reduced by the backend workload to answer questions. And then the lingering sense that people reported that they felt duped, right? Somebody actually said that to us. And like, I had felt really confident that my choice was fine. It made sense to me. Um, and I also had happily purchased from several similar sales funnels myself. I personally didn't care. I don't have a problem 
with this method, I think it's like, I was like, fine as a customer, I was like, yeah, cool. It's nice for me to have it on my calendar, but the impact it had on our leads was not fine at all. So we stopped not using that method has somewhat decreased our conversion rate, but it's not worth it to stress over a couple percentage points when the impact on the customer experience was so undesirable, right? My intent didn't really matter. Our customers were telling us that this was not a good experience. There are also software such as Deadline Funnel that actually do create scarcity in an automated funnel. This kind of software will actually create a countdown for each individual lead based on when they enter your funnel, giving them a window of time where they can purchase from you. And then after that time, blocking them from accessing the product, right? It's completely mimicking a live sales process. The software is a bit wonky because it's tied to the email address. And I believe that don't quote me on this. It uses cookies which means you can easily get around it by using a different email or device. I've seen this tool being used in fairly supportive ways, but again, I don't know, it leaves a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth personally, right? I'm sure that it would increase conversions. I'm actually positive it works really well because urgency does sell things, but at what cost, right? If someone was having a big problem converting, where this might be interesting, um, I'm just gonna spitballing here, like would be to use this to test and see if it actually solved the problem because that might suggest some other strategies that could be put in place. Like for example, more live launches rather than using an evergreen funnel. Anyway, ultimately the best urgency comes from the need of your lead. When your offer actually solves their problem, they know it solves your problem, then they will buy it. This is where funnels do become tricky and you may benefit from a coach or from one of the more advanced programs here at HBA, because if the funnel messaging is not effective, then you will not get the sales you want. And you may find yourself feeling like you need to create urgency in other ways, like using discounts. Um, I think of early bird discounts like this a lot. Often they suggest to me that there's a lack of confidence in the pricing. Um, I don't love that strategy, to be honest, or using these kind of deadline funnels or other things, right? The communication is the key. And instead of focusing on creating urgency, we can keep thinking of the sales funnel as a conversation, right? At some point, you will need to hang up the phone. (laughs) It's not because you're trying to punish the lead for not making a decision on time, but because you've taken up enough of their time and you're ready to get on with your life. So that's how we approach automated and evergreen sales funnels now. We share our information and then we hang up the phone. We don't even say the registration is closing if it's not, but we let the lead know that we won't be contacting them about the offer anymore. That's our way of closing the conversation. And you know what? It still works. A sales funnel, especially online, is just a way to have a conversation with your ideal customers, but to do it at scale. So you don't personally have to walk them through every step of their buying decision, but they still get their needs met as they explore the offer that you're providing. Think of it as facilitating their experience. It's not fair to ask someone to just look at an info sheet and know if they want your thing. And I see this all the time. Businesses posting like a super short sales page being like, buy this, and then wondering why no one buys. Your potential customers are busy. They have other shit to do. (laughs) And if they have a problem, they don't want to do even more research to find a solution. Instead, a funnel lets us provide that information, help people make the best decision for them, and do it in a way that allows you, the business owner, to not be actively selling all the damn time. Thanks for tuning in to the Holistic Business Podcast. Learn more about growing your holistic business by visiting us at holisticbusinessacademy.com. We'll see you next time.